1: This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. This, the first emergency episode of Deep State Radio, created because of the demand of our listeners. Actually, I think some of the listeners who were creating the band um, were animals, but, you know, you'll have to check that on the Internet to see what the origins of this actually were. Um, Part of the reason for this, of course, is to do with breaking news over the past few days, uh, and we'll get into that right away. Uh, First, let me introduce our guests. Sitting lakeside in Minnesota is old friend... Colin Call. Uh, in Washington in our tiny studio in the third sub basement of the Ministry of Snark, we have Georgetown University's Rosa Brooks and Heather Hurlbert of both the New America Foundation and New York magazine, where she writes a column. Rosa, are we at a turning David, point in David. our great national dra- yeah, Rosa? Rosa. Da- are we at a turning point in our great national drama?
2: Well, if I can quote one of your recent comments, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe in between. It is definitely one of those three. Uh, I, you know, the I was I was actually thinking this this morning as I, I looked at the headline in the Washington Post, uh, which said something along the lines of, you know, White House plunged into chaos by latest twists in Russia scandal. And I thought, I think I've read that headline about once a week for the last six months. So on the one hand. Clearly, what we have is the most concrete thing and most damning thing yet to suggest actual knowing collusion on the part of uh, several people in the Trump campaign, most notably uh, Trump's son, Don Jr., uh, with what they at least believed to be an active Russian government effort to help Donald Trump win the election. Uh, on the other hand, is this a turning point? Who knows? Uh uh, we keep, you know, each week brings new craziness. Each week we say, surely the nation cannot survive this level of craziness. Surely this administration cannot survive, and yet it sort of just goes on and on and on. So, whether this really ends up making a difference or being a turning point, who knows?
1: What do you think of that, Heather?
0: The turning point I do think we're at this time is that we've had a, a peel off of conservative intelligentsia. Um, that we have, that you haven't seen before. I, was I didn't re-
2: know that there was a conservative intelligentsia.
0: Yeah, all right. So maybe I've got, <laughs> I've got my mind fixed in 19th century wow. Russia for wow, reasons. Wow, that's, that-
1: very, that's, that's very hurtful to all of our conservative listeners, Rosa.
0: Except for Corey. Yeah, I will I will speak for, for conservative intelligentsia, if only because I need them to keep my mind fixated in 19th century Russia, w- reasons for which will become obvious later in the broadcast. Dun, dun, dun. But <laughs> you you see, if I, I recommend— Heather
1: will, Heather will be reading from Dostoevsky later in the broadcast. And <laughs> reciting
2: the Declaration of Independence in Russian. <laughs>
0: That is the Declaration of Dependence.
2: <laughs> no, but in
0: in all seriousness, watching um, conservative intellectuals, both the ones that were already sort of fully off the Trump boat and some of the ones that have tried to make the best of the Trump boat, um, wrestle with the the national humiliation that is Don Trump Jr. saying, this is great. about I love it. The, I love it, the offer of compromising material. So – You've clearly reached a turning point in the sort of further degradation of the Republican Party as an institution with a a venerable intellectual wing. Notice I didn't say worthy of veneration. I just said venerable. Um, Whether that turns out to make any difference in its hold in power or not, um, I'm not so sure.
1: Colin, are you in hiding in Minnesota? Are you afraid of things that are happening in Washington? Are you Uh Shopping. I perhaps, am. For a, a, a used nuclear si- weapon silo. Colin
2: is already in a I, used weapon silo.
3: <laughs> we have grain silos out here, actually. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm in hiding here. You know, I, I, uh, About a week ago, the Washington Free Beacon wrote a hit piece on me blaming me for every problem and leak in the Trump administration well, and Colin, given all it, the death threats is, I got it on is Twitter. I, I'm just saying, I, I'm hiding out in rural Minnesota. I can't tell you exactly where. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that it's uh, no, closer it, it, to
0: the missile silos in it, North Dakota is entirely coincidental.
3: <laughs> exactly right. Um, but I think it's appropriate that that uh, I'm on deep state radio as a consequence of me being, you know, the focal point for the grand conspiracy. That's against, the way uh, the it Trump goes. Administration.
1: That's, um, why, that's why we have you here. <laughs> we, we embrace but, uh, you. We
2: uh, embrace you and your efforts to undermine the nation. Yeah. Or at least the Trump I, administration. I, 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 I.
3: Right. Um, David, I don't know. I mean, in terms of whether the news of the past couple of days is a game changer, I do think we've moved a lot closer. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of smoke for a long time and we're a lot closer to a smoking gun uh, or at least the first of maybe a number of them. Um, I mean, what I think so what's so intriguing about uh, the Don Jr. Uh, scandal that's erupted, uh, you know, this past week as a consequence of a bunch of New York Times uh, reporting uh, is that it it's it it really is the closest we've gotten uh, in writing to suggesting kind of both halves of the collusion story, both the the offer uh, from the Russians to help uh, Trump uh, win the presidency and uh, frankly uh, the ask on the Russian side to lift sanctions, and I think. Uh, Listeners shouldn't shouldn't uh, uh, forget that either. I mean, so you have this meeting uh, that Don Jr. uh, gladly accepted uh, where the email from a publicist friend of his made clear that the Russian government was sending an emissary uh, uh, to Uh, provide dirt on Hillary. um, And uh, Don said, I loved it. I love it. And it would be especially useful if that stuff came out in the late summer, Uh, a topic maybe we should come uh, back to. They set up this meeting. Uh, Manafort, uh, still the campaign chairman, uh, shows up, as does uh, Kushner, uh, the president's son-in-law and and one of his closest advisors. They clearly uh, set up the meeting hoping to get dirt on Clinton. Uh, that Don uh, and Don Jr. In a, in a statement that, at least according to the newspapers today, suggested was was approved on Air Force One by President Trump himself, uh, initially suggested the meeting was just about adoption, which was a little bit of a Jedi mind trick uh, in the sense that uh, what, it, what the, that aspect of the meeting appeared to be about was the Magnitsky Act, uh, which is actually uh, some human rights sanctions that were passed in 2012 against a bunch of high-level Russians and really put a lot of fear of God into some folks around Putin and has been a high priority uh, uh, in the Putin uh, government to get rid of. So you kind of, in this meeting, have both halves of the collusion equation. You have an offer uh, uh, to damage Clinton and help Trump uh, become president and an ask uh, related to sanctions. So it really, I think, brings to the fore a lot of what we've been talking about in the last several months.
1: Well, Rosa... in your position as chief justice of the supreme kangaroo court of the deep state as you you know and also associate dean of the georgetown law school as you look at this and you sort of assess you know what do we know now you know it, you know what is the, the the what are the nature of the potential offenses here mm, um, yeah. it's been interesting to watch as sort of twitter and social media and the cable news and so forth are chewing on this. That they seem to be mo- using a term more often now, and I don't know that it's legally significant, but they seem to be moving towards the term conspiracy and away from the term collusion. But but without going into some too too lengthy uh, a breakdown of this, I, I want to pick up on Colin's point a second ago with regard to the. Um, the the thing that I thought was most interesting buried in these these emails, um, or one of the most interesting, which was uh, we could really use this later in the summer. And I, and I want to lay out the timeline, and then I'd like us all to talk about it. We have in early June uh, the first signs that the Russians, uh, uh, Guccifer and some of these others, are hacking into the DNC shortly after – Uh, This meeting takes place um, uh, at which a representative of the Russian government offers help uh, in uh, defeating Hillary promises information. Interestingly, the very same day the meeting takes place, um, uh, candidate Trump says – starts talking about emails. Um, uh, Then as the summer evolves – there were seemingly other kinds of communications. Roger Stone has referenced them and so forth, um, which lead up to uh, the uh, it's a sort of extremely well-timed release of, uh, I guess, the Podesta emails at roughly the same time that Trump was having his problems with the Access Hollywood tape. Uh, there are also stories now and today as we're recording this, there's a McClatchy story out there saying that one of the things that investigators are looking at is that um, Jared Kushner, uh, who was leading the campaign's digital operations, may have targeted some of the, or helped the Russians target disinformation based on some of the digital information uh, that uh, the uh, campaign had about where voters were, uh, and that all of this led not only into Uh, uh, further releases of information, Trump cheering them on, but that ultimately it also led to an administration in which, in the first instance, Mike Flynn is meeting with senior officials, Jared Kushner is meeting with senior Russian officials, and they're bending U.S. policy away from the Obama stance towards a Russian stance or promising that the policy will be bent. And they've continued to do that. And so the pattern is Russia offers to help Trump team seems to embrace it. Trump team seems to direct it. Uh, Russia supports their election and Trump supports them subsequently. What's Is there a legal case in that or could this at some point in the future just be looked at like, oh, those crazy Trumps using the Russians, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Well, I think as, as ever, the Unanswered question is: Is this a conspiracy to commit a crime, or is this jump just uh, Trump idiocy, idiocy, greed, and cluelessness on display, uh, which is not, unfortunately, necessarily criminal? And 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 you know we don't know the answer yet. Is this? To use a different metaphor, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, connect the dots, we just got a whole bunch more dots and they're really big dots and some more lines are connecting them. Uh, but we don't – I don't think that there is enough – you know, if if I were a prosecutor based solely on what is in the public domain now, I'd kind of go, oh, I don't think we quite have enough here yet. Um, um are we getting closer? Yes, we are getting closer. Uh, is it possible that that Robert Mueller has more than we have? Absolutely, um, but I think that we don't yet we don't yet have the real smoking gun, which is evidence of awareness on the part of anyone in the Trump campaign that is definite that the Russians intended to go ahead and uh, you know manipulate the election the specific ways that they did. Um, what we have so far, as you said, is we we have pretty clear evidence that uh, there was an awareness at very high levels from this email chain uh, that Donald Trump Jr. has just posted. Of course, only when he knew The New York Times was about to post it. We have awareness that at a minimum... Uh, He had been informed that the Russian government wanted to help to tip the election in favor of uh, his father. Um, uh, We know that he knew that. We know that Jared Kushner and and Manafort knew that because they were in that email chain in addition to being in the actual meeting. So they presumably had access to the exact same information. Uh, And we know that the Russians did play a role subsequently in uh, releasing some of the emails that helped tip the election uh, and our intelligence community is telling us that the Russians also played a major role in ensuring that other forms of disinformation got out there to the detriment of Hillary Clinton. That's not the same yet as having evidence that, you know, I, I mean, what we what we want, if we're prosecutors, right? If you're a prosecutor, what you want now is an email in which somebody in the Trump campaign says thanks so much, Russians. We really appreciate all that your government is doing. uh, And we're going to do everything we can to, you know, further that. And by the way, a great moment to release those hacked emails would be such and such. And I told dad and he says, it's awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. We We will sure show our appreciation by getting rid of those pesky sanctions. And we don't have that yet. It may be out there, which is not to say that it's not there. What's amazing is that
0: you have can...
1: been how close could we be to that? I mean, the, 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 the Donald Jr. emails say, uh, really interested in your nasty information on Hillary. I would love it if that's what you've got. And the best time to release it would be late in the summer. And, I mean, isn't that just what Rosa said? It's As Rosa said, it's getting closer to what Rosa said. And— David, to the question
0: of how close we are, honestly, this is a place where I think you sort of this question deserves to be turned back to you as you may the, be the, the preeminent expert on it among the four of us. But the, the piece that I thought needed to be added to your chronology is that for decades before those emails are exchanged – um, despite them all having lied about it in public subsequently, that the Trump family has been very deeply engaged in doing business with an array of governmental, shady, shady and seemingly non-governmental, but a highly shady folks in Russia. And one of the reasons that I think that it's it's non-trivially likely that an email containing at least half of Rosa's desiderata does exist and will come Light, is that it looks very much like Russian entities have been propping up Trump financial operations for some time. And the if only we had those tax
2: returns.
0: Yeah, I have to say I don't see any reason to believe there to be anything particularly honest on the tax returns. But um, it does look – because post-communist Russian society fuses intelligence, high power, finance and crime so closely together, um, it just looks very likely that for a long time before last summer – a um, high power in Russia was aware of, of Trump as someone who was beholden to them in a number of financial ways and that the Trump operation appears to have been very happy to take Russian money without understanding that there might be political costs to that money, which, you know, when you consider that the man had dabbled in running for president but didn't believe even last summer that he was really seriously extremely likely to win – that they were just used to saying whatever in emails without without any expectation of there being any um, mm. sort of higher mm-hmm. state consequences. So it seems incredibly likely to me that there are going to be some very damning emails out there if, if by damning you mean the idea that there is no line whatsoever between – what's good for Trump enterprises in colluding with really deeply problematic Russian entities and a campaign for president slash running the United States. I,
2: I Colin, I'd be interested to know what you think of that because I, I think that seems absolutely right that they've been living essentially in a world of of money and entertainment, you know, and where there are sort of no consequences for anything you do. And I think that this whole world in which there are intelligence agencies and law enforcement and Geopolitics is so alien to them that they've continued their reality TV ways. And they, I think Heather's probably right. I bet there's a lot worse out there.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, partly yeah. there's a pattern in which Trump has engaged in unethical and arguably illegal activities for a long time. He just waits until he gets called on and, and sued, and then he settles. And so there's never any accountability. I think that the Trump family in general. Yeah. Uh, you know they operate in a in a world you know large scale global real estate that is among the shadiest and most corrupt <laughs> uh, types of businesses that you can uh, uh, possibly engage in, uh, and they've really never had any consequences uh, for that other than occasionally having to you know uh, lose some money or 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 not uh, in a lawsuit. Um, I I think in this case obviously this particular contact this uh, this contact that was described to Don Jr. in the email as a Russian government attorney although. Uh, we now know she's not actually an employee of the Russian government, but has represented their interests on a number uh, of occasions. But nevertheless, was represented to them as a as a Russian government attorney. That this came through a publicist of a Russian pop star, whose father is a big real estate tycoon, uh, and uh, you know a friend of Donald Trump's, uh, is actually known in Russia as the Russian Donald Trump. Uh, and they all kind of helped get the Miss Universe pageant uh, in Moscow in 2013. So there is, are these overlapping circles of celebrity, business, crime, real estate, and Russians. Uh, that we've all in and out of the Trump enterprise and have for years and years and years.
0: I don't know about the rest of you, but yeah. one of the reasons I went into Russian studies and then into foreign policy low these many years ago was precisely in order that I would not have to think about the Miss Universe pageant while doing my day job. <laughs> Damn
2: it! It's true. It didn't really come well, up a whole lot a, when Colin
1: was at the a Pentagon. Serious... <laughs> It was a serious miscalculation on your part, Heather. It sure was. Um, it is kind of great, though. I mean, I do think we, as a footnote, have to observe that the characters that are being brought into this thing are, you know, fantastic. This guy Goldstone um, is truly an Elmore Leonard character. Actually, the whole thing seems to be written by Elmore Leonard with this sort of second rate entertainer and the oligarch and Trump and Fredo or. Or Uday. We had a good discussion the other day about whether he's Fredo or Uday, Donald Jr. And, of course, Jared and so forth. There's no, there's nobody who's bland in all of this. And Roger Stone with his tattoo of Nixon and <laughs> Manafort. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolutely bizarre world. Well, and can but I add another Rosa, if,
2: Oprah and Jerry Springer element before you try to get serious again? Um, I poor Donald Jr. Right? I mean, I'm torn between thinking, boy, that guy is as sleazy as his dad, versus thinking like that poor young man. Someone should call social services and get him out of the clutches of his evil family. You know? Can you imagine being Donald Trump's son? Can you? I mean, I can't even conceive it. And and Donald Jr. is the is the member of that original Donald Senior and Ivana Trump family. He reportedly didn't speak to his father for five years after uh, his father ditched his mother for uh, – I guess it was Marla Maples that time around. Um, And as far as we know, his father has often treated him quite badly. And quite dismissively, and, and and I keep waiting for Don Jr. to have a moment where he stands up and casts off his shackles and says, you're right. My father is a raging asshole, and you want to know everything there is to know about his business dealings? I'll tell you. Uh, so Don Jr., I encourage you to take that step. It will be liberating, liberating for you. It will be good for your psyche, and it will be good for America.
0: That's going to be Tiffany who does yeah. that. Tiffany. <laughs> but I think I wanted to— I am- um,
1: the- totally counting on, on, on what you're saying to be right here, Heather. It is going to be Tiffany. I believe this is the Game of Thrones moment. All these people kill each other off, and then she ends up inheriting it all. And they keep begging her for mercy and ends up, you know, that she she denies it to all of them. Um, but anyway, go go. T- ahead,
3: a a Twitter meme of Tiffany with three dragon eggs that needs to be produced <laughs> immediately following well, this. Well, I, uh,
1: I would, yeah. She's, nerdcast. She's... she's she, She's a bit more of a Lannister than she is Daenerys, <laughs> but I I I I I see where you're going there. And of course it's a good thing Corey's not on this episode to not understand what we're talking about. Sorry, Heather.
0: No, I was gonna draw the contrast with uh Chai-Kin, the no chaika sorry it's it's a direct translation of seagull from russian by the way which gives you all an excuse to go go look up your chekhov if you don't like the game of thrones references you can switch to chekhov references at this point but um, Like President Trump, Um, this guy has two adult sons who have gotten immensely rich. Um, This guy being,
2: uh, I remind everybody who he is. Thank you.
0: So he's the Russian equivalent of attorney general. He's the gentleman referenced in the Goldstone emails as supposedly the high government authority from which um, the Russian lawyer has been sent. And oh, by the way, he's part of Putin's small clique of people who come out of the Soviet era security structures, and thus have dirt on everybody. Know where all the bodies are buried. This guy's illustrious career. We first start tracing him in the late seventies when he's actually somehow working with a prison in Siberia. There's a riot at the prison, and he delivers drugs to the prisoners to get them to rat out other prisoners. Um, you know, if you this is this is Russian crime fiction. Forget Elmore Leonard. This is Boris Akunin. People like that. But he has two sons. Like. President Trump and his two sons are unaccountably, unfathomably rich. Um, They have taken up residence in Switzerland with their money in their houses. And that's what I'm
2: going to do when I become unfathomably, unaccountably rich.
0: Um, when um they got into a little trouble in the Russian media, the interesting thing, and this just Rosa to draw a contrast with what you were saying, their father said, Well, they're adult men. How they make their money is their own business. I have no idea how they make their money. And it's it's been very interesting to to watch the kind of infantilization of um the two Trump sons commonly referred to as the Trump boys. And, you know, to think about other contexts in life in which 39-year-old men who have run afoul of the law are referred to as boys. And, you know, on some level, I feel sorry for him too. I feel terribly sorry for Barron, um, the little one, Mm. um, because I, I think that's not yet irredeemable. Yeah. But, but I do, at the same time, it's this fascinating ability that the family has, even on us who are clearly all, you know, not fans, to somehow not see them for what they are, which is major enablers and or architects of this policy to, to derange the American, um, at least our electoral system, if not uh, also our broader political system.
1: A very interesting point. By the way, um, Heather set me up perfectly here. Uh, as I'm sitting in the tiny studio at Columbia University where we record from New York, I can actually see the building at uh, Columbia where I directed the Seagull in my senior year of college. No, no way. way. Uh,
0: okay, David. listeners, listeners, you're never going to believe that I didn't the, know that in advance, okay. but I didn't know. Oh, it but, in but this but, just, just
2: shows well, how deep the deep state is. <laughs>
1: We are very, very deep, and in fact, probably little known and little cared about by the listeners is the fact that I spent the t- first 10 years of my career as a theater director. Uh, but the only line that from The, the- Seagull that comes to my mind at, is at the very beginning, uh, where Masha comes on stage and says, I'm in mourning for my life. But maybe that's relevant to all of this. Uh, you know, uh, Certainly, the, all of us may have a, a little bit of that, that feeling. Um, Colin, as you look at this and as you sort of see the landscape, the landscape of the timeline I talked out, there's the financial one. Of course, we've also got other things we don't talk about much, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, emoluments and so forth. Put yourself in the shoes of Mueller for a second. Where are you focusing? What is it? What is it that's most important to get at right now? Uh, to get to what Heather elegantly uh, referred to earlier as rosa 's desiderata
2: call it it 's a variant of the other Chekhov principle of if you if you put a smoking gun on stage in in scene one, someone has to fire the smoking gun by by the end of uh, act yeah. two it's
1: that that's almost yeah. it, but it's if you if you pull a gun out of a drawer in the first act, it has to go off in the a third. Smoking act. gun. But that's no, it can't be smoking. Variant. In the first oh, act. No, come on, Rose has improved it. it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, as she often does with Chekhov. Anyway, calm. you
2: probably want me to quote so, uh, John Jackson about loaded weapons again, but I'm I'm not going to.
3: Yeah. You can hope and pray. I, I, th- I, I think the special prosecutor is probably looking at. I mean, I don't have any special insight, but. Uh, that is looking at a number of different possible lines of coordination, conspiracy, collusion, whatever uh, you want to look at. I mean, one is the possibility that there were elements of the Trump administration that were witting of, encouraged uh, the hacking, dissemination, leaking of dirt on Hillary. Uh, Obviously, the Don Jr. uh, story from this week speaks directly to that uh, question, but it also goes to the stories that have been around for months about you know Roger Stone's connections with Guccifer two and his back channels uh, with WikiLeaks founder Assange. Uh, there was, of course, the bomb, the previous bombshell on collusion from uh, about a week and a half before the Don Jr. stories was the big Wall Street Journal uh, uh, reports about uh, the uh, the GOP. Uh, um, uh, guy who uh, basically was trying to get uh, Hillary's thirty-three thousand emails via Russian hackers, uh, claiming to be working with uh, Mike Flynn and others on the on the campaign. We don't know whether that's true or not. Uh, but nevertheless, so I think one line is whether uh, the Trump campaign was aware of, encouraged, uh, and a- actively coordinated the you know some aspect of the hacking, leaking part of the story. Uh, the second line of inquiry is is probably uh, on the financial side, uh, whether there were elements within the campaign uh, that engaged in a financial quid pro quo, whereby uh, they would push candidate Trump to adopt certain positions, and if he became president to adopt certain positions, go softer on Ukraine, go softer on NATO, lift sanctions, uh, in exchange for uh, kickbacks. Uh, these are obviously the allegations um, uh, that have swirled around Rosneft and Carter Page and and Manafort and others, uh, there's also the possibility uh, that Kushner, uh, you know, may have been involved in some way. There's the meetings he had that he didn't divulge with uh, the Russian banker um, during the transition period. And there's some uh, uh, suggestion that uh, there may have been uh, some uh, financial quid pro quo there as it related to access to Uh, Russian uh, capital for uh, some of Kushner's businesses. I have no idea if any of this is true, but I do think there's a line uh, uh, of potential uh, financial uh, quid pro quos that is certainly being investigated. I think the third line, and David, you made reference to this in the McClatchy piece, but it's something that's been going around for a while, is whether there was any coordination Between the other part of the Russian uh, activities before the election, which was, you know, the trolling, the bots, the social media targeting, Facebook, Twitter, etc., and, you know... However good you think Russian spies are, and they're pretty good, they don't actually know how to micro-target American voters. That's what political campaigns do. Uh, And so the question is, why were all these Facebook feeds of Bernie voters and African-American males in the states that ended up swinging the elections, like Wisconsin and, and Michigan and Pennsylvania, why were there all these spikes in Russian fake news stories uh, in the days and weeks before the election, was that just a coincidence? Did, did the Russians know how to do that? or were they working with elements of the Trump campaign uh, to uh, precisely target micro target uh, in an effort to either flip voters or suppress voters uh, in key states? So I think that's a line of inquiry. And then the last but not least, the fourth is the cover up uh, and the obstruction of justice issues. Uh, you know, uh, did even if if Trump the Trump campaign didn't do any of this stuff, uh uh And even if President Trump wasn't aware of any of it, uh did he actively take a steps uh a steps to shut down the investigation, firing Comey being uh, chief among them, but not not the only one so I think those are at least four lines uh that uh the special prosecutor will look will be looking into
1: You know as I listen to all of this, I think oh, those canny Russians we are such suckers here, even us in the deep states, supposedly sophisticated find ourselves wrapped around the axle of this story and that they didn't really want to elect Trump. They just wanted to Mm. weaken the U.S. And if we get into a big political scandal for the next couple of years— uh, and, you know, we not only have an idiot as the president of the United States, but we re- render the entire U.S. government that isn't already brain dead brain dead by focusing on this and the world becomes the playground of opportunists. Well, David, I'll go you Does one that further, worry? though.
2: Uh, because I, I, I suspect that that's exactly right, that the Russians didn't care about Trump as such, that they just cared about, you know, confusion to our enemies. Uh, anything that sort of messes with the United States is good for them. Uh, and that being said, if, if that is in fact the case and I were Vladimir Putin— I would now be thinking my next move is to leak information that is absolutely damning about Donald Trump and that leads to an impeachment and leads to a zillion prosecutions because that's how to really tie up the United States for the next few years to have essentially no, a president who's in the process of being impeached and whose family members and close uh, staff members are in the process of being prosecuted.
0: I totally agree with that, but it should also not be forgotten that Putin had a very specific animus toward Hillary – True. Um, that Hillary as secretary both he perceived her to be hostile to him, and he perceived her femaleness while being hostile to him as a particular problem. And so, um, I actually agree that they didn't want to elect Trump, but they wanted to to weaken Clinton as a candidate and as president as much as possible. I'm particularly struck, also, David, and it's it's just worth reminding that we've seen this play out in in a number of the Eastern European countries that were that were Russia's first targets for this kind of maneuvering. That by by helping us create a society where none of us trust or believe any of the rest of us, um, that's the ultimate goal. And of course that's something that if you grew up in the Soviet Union, you're, you're very clear-eyed and sophisticated about, about how to achieve. So sort of heading into an environment where – you know we return to the America of my father's childhood where there was a, a communist under every bed. And we start to see Russian interference both where it is and possibly even where it isn't. And I think the, the problem of how we, how we get past that is one that is, is going to be particularly difficult for those of us who do think there are a lot of places we ought to be seeing uh, the Russian hand.
3: I mean, I think the, no. the, the intelligence community was to? pretty – go ahead. Go ahead, David. No, go on. Yeah, I was saying that you know, as as someone who was in the Obama administration uh, at the end, uh, the intelligence community was pretty, you know, came to the conclusion pretty early uh, that the Russians kind of had a heads we win, tails you lose approach to this. That that they, like everybody else, probably assumed Hillary was going to win. Uh, so at the very least, they wanted to damage her, uh, wound her going into the election and coming out as president. Uh, if they really hit the jackpot, uh, they'd get Donald Trump, uh, and who, even if even if there wasn't, uh, you know, some quid pro quo or compromise. Uh, was, you know, someone who was much more aligned with, with uh, Russian values and in particular Putin's values, his skepticism of the, of the liberal international order, uh, his, his disdain for free, freeloading NATO allies and, and, uh, and all of the rest, and who is someone who is going to be very divisive uh, internationally. And last but not least is what, you know, uh, we've talked about already, which is, that even if all of that doesn't happen, at the very least, you create chaos. You create chaos during the election, uh, you create chaos after the election, and you erode the faith in all the aspects of our democratic institutions, our elections, uh, our press, uh, our ability to have a factual predicate that can be the focal point around which we all have a civil debate, even if it's partisan and and we disagree. And, you know, it's not like the Russians created any of this, but certainly their maneuvering and influencing and meddling uh, has made it worse. And then we have a president who's made it worse by denigrating the courts and the free press uh, and the intelligence community and the deep state uh, and everything else. So, again, we, we, it, it, one doesn't have to choose what the Russian objectives were. It was all of the above.
1: Well, the Russians seem to be getting everything that they want. You know, Putin had this meeting. The big deliverable was a ceasefire in Syria, which frankly doesn't benefit us in any way. To the extent that it's a real ceasefire, anyway, it really benefits the Russians and the Iranians. Trump gave Putin a big pass on this. Heather, you study these kind of things. You, you I, 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 I would like you because you, you know, can speak Russian and can let us know what it is in Russian first and then translate. To 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 let us in, on what do you think the subtext in Putin's brain is right now?
0: Well, I would actually, st- yeah, I'm, I'm not. So first, I am not going to pretend to to the subtext of Putin's brain, um, but they haven't gotten the biggest things that they want, which is um, an end to the sanctions um, and an acquiescence in Ukraine. Um, those are those are the highest priorities and then moving out from there. Um, the visuals, um, Colin is is right, that the visuals in Warsaw are actually something and in Germany are something that they wanted very badly and got and that um, in retrospect, we in the, the sort of 20 years of post post-cold War consensus, foreign policy in the US overstepped in in denying which which was the treating Russia like an equal power on the world stage, which is something that, frankly, we tended to roll our eyes at because Russia is no longer an equal power on the world stage. But that matters enormously. And it matters enormously to Putin's own ability to maintain his own power and ride the twin tigers of his intelligence and military services, which is fundamentally, I guess I am going to go inside his brain, fundamentally what he cares about, because he's got a declining economy that is totally yoked to commodity prices. Um, And so at a very fundamental level, he's thrown in his lot with the intelligence and military to maintain power. He has, you know, reactivated – Russian military operations in a way that we hadn't seen in the post-Cold War period. So he's now got – he's got to keep them satisfied and he's got to be able to present something to his public that says, you know, never mind that we are falling further and further behind Western Europe. We are we are regaining Russian pride. You may have seen recently that he um, pointed out that, you know, it was a shame when there was excessive criticism of Stalin. Now, you can pause and ponder to yourself whether there is such a thing as excessive criticism of Stalin. But but that's the mindset. And that's the that's the kind of unicycle that Putin has set up for himself to to keep riding for power. So, you know, getting Trump to say that he was proud to meet with him um, was an enormous you know, I, I I'm one who can be a bit skeptical about the symbolic, but that was a big, big symbol so putin gets that which is great but he hasn't gotten much on sanctions and it's now clear with congress the way it is um and with the divide frankly within the Republican Party and the Trump administration. He's not. He's not going to get a lot on sanctions and where honestly, before the election and and Colin, I'm curious your view on this. My view was that a Clinton administration was going to find itself very limited in what it could do to get tougher on Russia because Europe would not be interested in getting tougher on Russia. It's now going to be a lot easier for European leaders to unite and get tougher on Russia in opposition to Trump. So in in a funny way Putin has has not yet achieved Quite as much as as one might imagine, which is why I think Rosa is right that his intelligence people are surely at the very least scenario planning, just as our folks love to scenario plan about what is the point at which Putin is no longer advantageous. I mean, sorry, Trump is no longer advantageous. Freudian slip of the day, and it might be more more interesting to to move him into uh, the dustbin of history. Since you you wanted me to throw in a little a little something Russian there for you.
3: But you know, this is uh, coming th- here. Th-
1: I think that. Certainly, thank you for think... that. And I also want to thank you for the the title of this episode, which is certainly <laughs> going to be called "Putin's Unicycle," um, which you know, I I think my that work here is done. Gives us a very yes, right. No, well, don't go just yet. Um, anyway, Colin, you want to say something?
3: Yeah. No. I, picking up on something that Heather said, um, you know, I think Putin can achieve. I totally agree with her that his number one objectives are. To resolve the Ukraine issue on on uh, you know on, on on grounds that are favorable, highly favorable to Moscow, and to get the sanctions lifted, uh, but where I would diverge a little bit from what Heather says is he doesn't have to accomplish that objective uh, directly. That is, it doesn't have to happen because the United States lifts sanctions. Uh, that it, that it looks increasingly unlikely, or that the United States intentionally throws Ukraine under the bus. Um, it can happen indirectly by weakening the connective tissue between the United States and Europe. But one of the things that Uh, You know, I experienced firsthand working for the vice president, Vice President Biden, as we dealt with the Ukraine issue on almost every single day, is the amount of handholding we had to do with the Europeans to keep them on board with sanctions and to keep them from throwing Ukraine under the bus. I think what a lot of listeners may not realize is that Europe is very much divided, both on whether they should have better relationships with Russia, but whether the Ukraine issue is worth sacrificing business and trade relations with Russia. Uh, You have folks who have tried to hold the line like Merkel, but you have had other countries like Hungary and Italy, et cetera, that just actually I think actually Putin can achieve a lot of his objectives simply by having a wedge driven uh, uh, his first one uh, to NATO and now uh, this one to the G20 and to Poland as anything but driving wedges uh, between the United States and uh, the rest of the world, frankly, but in particular uh, in Europe. I mean, we find ourselves isolated on trade and climate. We couldn't even come to an agreement on a North Korea statement. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, Trump had this disastrous meeting with Putin, disastrous from our interests, good for Putin. Uh, And he had this trip in Poland where he defined... You know, Western values in kind of Christian, civilizational and nationalistic terms that are very comfortable not only to the to the right-wing government in Poland, but to uh, you know to Vladimir Putin's uh, worldview. and even in even when Trump, Talked about article five finally uh saying that he was committed to article five he only did it after uh complaining about uh you know beating up the nato allies for spending more money and now that they've spent more money then he can commit to article five so i think if you're putin you're 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 and you're playing not even a long game but a medium game uh, you have to be pretty happy right now
1: we've only got a little bit of time here i want to ask uh two more sets of questions one let me go to you rosa We've, we've talked about the international context for this a little bit, uh, but that it is possible Putin's overplayed his hand here, right? Because if Putin's association with Putin, association with Russians brings down Trump or gravely wounds Trump and gravely wounds those who are associated with the Russians, isn't it possible that we enter into a kind of little Cold War for a few years afterwards where nobody wants to have anything to do with the Russians, <laughs> where Russia is seen as toxic? um by US politicians
2: I, I think that we were pretty much there pre Donald Trump right and if if anything I think uh uh the tendency to to inflate russian global power in our, in our fantasy version of russia you know as, as 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 to to imagine putin as this genius machiavellian puppet master uh, and and to really develop a kind of a new Cold War was in itself you know th- there were some real dangers there uh, and I don't think we want that to be resuscitated neither of course do I think we want to be in a oh Vladimir whatever you want I love you I'm so proud to meet with you land there's there is something in between. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of thinking, you know, if I'm Putin, if I am aspiring, at least to be a an all powerful Machiavellian puppet master, I think what I would do is I would select my my least favorite uh, 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 members of my uh, inner circle ones who are, are really ripe for a little time in Siberia or a prison anyway. I would then announce to the world that uh, I had conducted an internal investigation and discovered that they were responsible for attempting to manipulate the U.S. election and collaborate with Donald Trump, but that they will be promptly executed. And I would apologize profusely for this and, and offer once again my, my services uh, in an international commission of some sort to prevent electoral manipulation, uh, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, and that throws Trump into further chaos, impeachment prosecution, etc., gets rid of someone inconvenient to Putin, and Putin then comes out looking like roses. He says, "Yes, I'm so sorry this you know one of those terrible thug like people somehow sneakily did this without my knowledge, but i have i have, and I, I I abhor it, and I have eliminated them
1: That is so much the reason why all of our listeners know that it would be really frightening if you were the leader of the world. <laughs> Um uh, and why you are so essential to the brain trust that has made the deep state what it is, uh, <laughs> that 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 you know write that down, folks. Let's see what I, I let's see want how to close know that, that to I'm that. I'm not we're...
2: actually attempting to aid and abet an enemy of the United States. I'm just saying.
1: By giving them – right. By giving them nefarious ideas. Okay. Well, look. As we wrap this up here, let me pose a question to each one of you. Uh, In one of the great exchanges that we have with our great listeners out there, and I really got to say the Deep State Nerds are the best listeners of any show, anywhere, radio, podcast. They would be even better if they sent us
2: money. Instead of just tweeting nice things to thank- us, though, David, let's, just, let's wow. just keep that in mind. You just can't keep it.
1: You can't <laughs> keep it under control now, can you, Rosa? Yeah. Send Rosa money. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just, just like I've Soupy Sales got kicked dog off biscuits. the air. Right. Send biscuits to the following address. Now, let's leave that aside for a moment. <laughs> uh, but in one of these exchanges that followed, by the way, the hilarious posting online of somebody's Deep State Radio bingo card, which I really— I really enjoyed, um, uh, was the idea that maybe what we really ought to have is a kind of fantasy felony league for the Trump administration. Oh, yes. Where, you know, where you could pick characters in the administration and they would get points for lies, indictments, uh, incidents of perjury. Resignations. Uh, uh, resignations. You'd get a certain number of points for Zequinas. that. Um Being— subpoena as being named as a co-conspirator, how many times you have to testify, and that then people could pick people, and that the winner would be the one who accumulated the the most points. and and Well, you know, or something. But but the question is, in the felony fantasy league for the Trump administration, I'd just like to hear who each of you would (laughs) pick to be the ultimate loser slash winner and why. Oh, Rosa.
2: That's such a hard one. There's so many wonderful characters. I mean, I'm not gonna be very imaginative, but I would I would just love to see Donald Trump uh uh in, you know, prison pajamas, uh, frankly. Ew, I, well, I'm, okay, ew, sorry. No. I don't think it's gonna happen, uh, not least, because I am I would if I had to put money on it, I would put my money on, you know too dumb to go to jail because there will never be any actual proof that he has committed a criminal act because his general inconsistency, contradictions, and idiocy will in fact end up being protective because he will be able to show that he had no idea what was going on really at any point in his entire life. Uh, so I think it is unlikely, but it would sure be nice.
0: <laughs> so first, I want to tell your listeners that they, they this is my first time, as you know, in the, the Headquarters of the deep state, and they don't stock air sickness bags here. And it's a real problem if you're gonna talk about <laughs> Donald Trump in pajamas without stocking air sickness. Bags. I am I'm not coming back until there are themed air sickness bags <laughs> here. We can arrange that.
1: Okay. Um, count on that. We we want you back, Heather, so we'll get you the themed m- air sickness My
0: bag. candidate for this role is Jared, actually. And um I'll- I have a
2: soft spot for Jared. He just looks like such a sweet person. I, I just I don't yeah, like thinking. Yeah. You're, you're on mastermind. a you're on a
0: roll with having a soft spot for the for the boys.
2: Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. But
0: um so here's my my three reasons I nominate Jared. Um, number 1, he is the person that Trump will ultimately betray. Um, And he is that there will be a way that Trump can devise for himself, Rosa, the outcome that you laid out. And to do that, Jared will be the one who has to go to prison. Uh, Number two, he does –
1: Playing that famous – that wonderful game called Screw the Jew. But let's keep going. Okay, You
0: went there so I didn't have to. Thank you for that. Um, Except I don't think (laughs) – he Don, did inherit I don't think Trump
2: it. likes Don Jr. at all, and I think he does like Ivanka. So I wonder whether Ivanka can save Jared.
0: Well, except there will come a point where Ivanka will no longer want to save Jared, oh. which, which gets me to, to sort wow. of point number two here, which is that nice. you have to remember what Jared comes from. And the extent to which Ivanka really did, um, as so many of us struggle with, marry her dad. Um, and uh, Speak for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So anyhow, moving right (laughs) along. Um, Jared, you got to remember, dad did time. um, You know, dad did time as part of a messy, convoluted, stupid and highly corrupt deal.
2: Involving blackmail, prostitutes and his brother-in-law.
0: There you go. Um, So (laughs) like I say, Jared is is kind of typecast for this and part – Three, um, compared to the, the intellectual heights scaled by Don Jr., I admit that Jared has looked good this week, but it's not at all clear to me that Jared knows how to avoid this fate. So I, I pick, so I therefore nominate him as my favorite.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. Colin, sitting there by the shores of Lake Gitchagumi or whatever the, the, the lake the is, is called. The
2: shade of the silo.
1: In the gentle yeah. shade of the silo, <laughs> who do you pick?
3: You know, I, I, I look. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a fake doctor uh, who teaches at a, a university. I'm not a lawyer like 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 Rosa. Um, and the other caveat I would say is, and this is a more serious one, is I, I think that opponents of Trump have to be cautious to not repeat the lock her up, lock her up, lock her up with chance of lock him up, lock him up. He doesn't lock have him to up. be locked as up. It relates, he just has
2: to be in the pajamas. I, yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I, but as it relates to any of these folks, um, I, look, I, the cast of characters I think is, is fairly obvious. I think, Flynn, Manafort and Kushner uh, are all potentially in trouble for different uh, reasons. Um, And now I think Don Jr. is very much in trouble. I I think the the relevant question for Don Jr. is whether uh, by taking this meeting and by being so gung ho about getting dirt on on Clinton that was so obviously presented to him as dirt coming from a foreign government, whether uh, he and the other participants in that meeting violated campaign finance laws by soliciting and or accepting something of value from a foreign government. Uh, I think that's a big problem. But my guess is that the folks who end up in jail are most likely to end up in jail for lying, uh, for perjury, Uh, either lying to Congress, uh, lying on their security forms, uh, uh, or lying to investigators, FBI investigators Uh, at various stages of the uh, investigation. And I think almost everybody on that list is vulnerable to some combination of those campaign finance laws and and potential perjury issues, depending on what they did or said. And then last but not least is the macro issue of what Trump is, what President Trump himself is most vulnerable to. And there, I I just think, you know, the more this this looks like uh, actual collusion, the more the obstruction of justice issues uh, could become the political thing that brings him down.
1: A beautiful analysis. So many choices for our fantasy league. I inclined, by the way, to agree with Heather. I think Jared's got an inside track because I think he was over-empowered and overly arrogant. Uh, and I think he may be involved in a number of deals that are not just, by the way, with the Russians that may also be causes of problems. But certainly Don Jr. and Jared and Manafort and Flynn all sort of are leaders of the pack. Personally, I'd love to see um, Roger Stone at a really, really um, kind of rough uh, 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 institution of rehabilitation um, uh, because of just the downright odiousness of of the guy. Um, But there are going to be plenty to choose from, including, by the way, some Trump lawyers, maybe some other people who are working in the White House right now who are in the midst of cover-ups. Uh, and, and, and we will follow this week after week on deep state radio, where because we're the deep state, we actually know already who's going to end up going to jail. We've made our choices, and it's going to happen that way. But we're going to play along like we don't uh, and continue to have conversations like this one I want to thank Heather. I want to thank Colin. I want to thank Rosa. I want to thank all of your spirit animals. And Heather and Colin, you don't have a spirit animal yet. I'm going to rely on our listeners to come up with one for you. Follow Twitter. You'll you'll see what I mean by this. And uh, we are glad that all of you could join us for this special emergency edition of Deep State Radio. We will be up with this and the originally scheduled edition very shortly, and we look forward to listening, uh, uh, conversing with you and each other again next week. But before we go, Heather has a classic Russian poetry selection for you to listen to as you think about this episode and hum on the way home. Heather?
0: Okay, so it's it's by this is Lermontov, who was a romantic Russian army officer, led the um, Russian conquest and occupation of the Caucasus in the nineteenth century. So it's sort of the Russian Old West, subduing the Muslim hordes. Is romantic dies terribly young. Let's see, para mój drug para, prosit, namidni i unosit umriom. oh
2: my god that that makes me want to embrace Vladimir Putin. That was amazing. <laughs> I love it that
1: was that was beautiful and and roughly what did what did that mean there, Heather?
0: Um it's time, my friend. It's time. The minutes are flying. um and then the ending is the two of us together we're preparing to live and yet suddenly, perhaps like this administration, we die. <laughs>